Hello and welcome to another episode of Offbeat Grad. Happy Thursday. We are talking all about how to get clients as a freelancer today and I have a guest who I've had a million times but she's a good guest. I have Amanda Cross from the Happy Arkansan and she's been freelancing for several years. So have I and we're chatting about like the unconventional, the conventional, all the different ways you can find clients in whatever niche, whatever industry, and it might surprise you. So let's get started. Introduce yourself again. Hi, my name is Amanda. That's a really weird intro. Um, but I am the <laughs> blogger behind the Happy Arkansan, and I've been freelancing since 2017, and just going through a lot of different um, I know, periods in my freelancing career. It's been interesting, but I am a freelancer for HR tech people, and yeah, that's pretty much what I do. And you have a <laughs> podcast about freelancing. Yes, I do. It's called The Ambitious Freelancer. And a so. Facebook group. Yes, that goes with it. <laughs> so yeah, definitely check those out. Yeah, so uh, I feel like you've been freelancing just about as long as I have. So it's it feels like you're one of my few co-workers because there's not very many people who understand like how much it sucks and like how good it could be at the same time, you know? Yeah, for sure. So talk about how you got started freelancing. I know you've talked about this on the podcast before, but assume there's people who have never heard you before. So why did you start freelancing in the first place? So basically, I just I wanted something that was like related to something I always liked which was writing uh in 2017 I finished my master's in sociology which I don't use at all well I use in, to a degree <laughs> like I use because I I learned a lot of writing skills and research skills but other than that like I don't really really use it um but after I got that master's degree I was just kind of burned out on sociology so I wanted to kind of go back to basics so I started just like trying to figure out like how to find clients how to find people to write for and so when I first started I was all over the place I have like two different niches which of which I don't do at all now like I used to do um business like marketing writing and higher education and then at the tail end of that, like, in the tail end of 2017, I actually did add HR tech because I had an HR tech client through Upwork. Um, but now I just do exclusively, basically, HR tech unless it's, like, something, like, I really just enjoy or an old client who come, who comes back. But, like, at this point, most of my clients are HR tech clients. Yeah, I'm the opposite. None of mine are very similar at all. I've written about Amish tables and I've written about um, marketing, so... I like to run the gamut, but um, yeah, I think that's interesting about how you got a degree and then you're like not really willing to use it in like the traditional sense. I can relate as someone with an English degree, although you could make the argument that this is a normal path for an English major. It definitely was not a path that was talked about at my school or like with any one of my classmates. I think I'm the only one who went on to actually write for a living, which is sort of crazy. A lot of kids go into English for like teaching or just to go into general like marketing or communications or a number of different things. So it's interesting how we all seem to make our way into freelancing, usually on accident. I don't think anyone ever goes to school and then is like, you know what, I want to be a freelancer. I, I hope that is the case in the next few years, but at least it wasn't when I was getting started. No, definitely not. It wasn't even like on my radar. Like, I don't even, like, with sociology, it's kind of similar. Like, you go in 
And some people do use it for marketing. Some people use it for, like, bis- like in the business side. But most of the people, like, they go into, like, corrections. So, like, being an, like, officer, like, law enforcement. Or they mm-hmm. use it for um, teaching. So, like, they get their doctorate in sociology and they become a sociology professor. So, it's not really... Uh, one of those things, like, even if I had stopped at master's, it was going to be really hard for me to, like, apply that in, like, a sociological sense because you kind of need a, a doctorate to really, really make a difference in sociology. Um, even, like, at the professor level, you can teach with a master's, but you will get paid, like, way less. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's the exact same for an English major. Um, and I think it's interesting how I've seen so many freelancers with so many different educational backgrounds and how you could sort of use that to your advantage. I know you said it doesn't help you, but I guarantee you it does because whenever I'm applying for a job, saying that I have a bachelor's in English is usually like a really good thing in my favor. So I imagine being able to say you have a master's and literally anything would be a great plus. Um, so it's a good way to really stand out freelancing but that being said you do not need a degree so I want to make that clear but um so let's talk about what you need before you can even start searching for clients because this episode's all about looking for clients but before you even start you need to have these things in place so that you actually look professional and you know what you're doing and you don't feel super out of place so Let's go back and forth. So the first thing I would say is that any experience level can do this. You don't really need any experience, but you should take some time to research um, the the basics. Um, I'm on Upwork Reddit form a lot, and there's always these people who go in and they're like, I want to freelance. How do I start? And I'm always like, if you're asking this question here, like this isn't for you because there's a lot of research needed. So you need to familiarize yourself with freelancing in general, whether that means doing a lot of blog posts research or learning from podcasts, whatever. Just like take those first steps so that you have an idea of what the process is like and you're not just thrown into this with no idea of what to expect. Next. What do you think is next? Um, a niche, for sure. I mean, I don't know. Like, when I first started, I didn't really have a super niche. I had, like, multiple mm-hmm. niches I kind of set myself in. But I feel like at this point in my career, like, having a niche is so helpful. Like, even on Upwork, like, you don't oh, think yeah. there's a lot of HR tech companies, like, hiring on Upwork. Like, I didn't really see it when I was, like, first starting. But, like, now that I'm doing it, like, I'm getting HR tech clients on Upwork that are coming to me. And they're not, like, paying crappily either. Like, they're paying a good amount. So I think that a niche is important, but I think that you can do some experiments. Like, when I first started, Mm -hmm. I was all over the place. But I think that eventually you kind of need to kind of nail down at least one niche or at least on, like, your thing have a niche and then kind of, like, experiment on the side but, like, have one that you're going after because having a niche will help you, like, really nail down, like, knowledge about the industry and you'll be able to really be not just like a beginner getting like pennies per word but like actually being able to command a lot more money yeah and this is true not just for writing but for any industry so like even if you were a graphic designer like you're probably going to work with a certain type of business and that's how you're going to niche yourself Um, so it's important I find you can definitely go outside of your niche and I do all of the time but having a niche is really helpful when you're building a website which Mm -hmm. is the next thing on the list because you you don't want to make that website for everyone as a freelancer you want a website that's highly tailored to like the kind of client you want so that's where knowing your niche will really come in 
happen because that will help you design a website that will actually work for who you want it to. It can't just be like, I'm a general freelance writer and I write about everything. Like that's just not really gonna be that effective. Um, and the same is true like if you're designing websites or you're doing even just like any kind of craft or anything, odds are you have a specific audience in mind and that's really gonna play a role in the website. So when you make a website, I highly recommend you make a self-hosted URL domain name website, like no .wix.com, no, none of that. I know a lot of freelancers will argue that that's fine for beginners and I'm going to say it's not because I just think it's so inexpensive and so easy to get started on like Squarespace or WordPress in like a few minutes that there's really no excuse not to have like a yourname.com or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. I just think even just using a basic template and just getting all the free themes and stuff and just designing it and making it look nice, like that's all you need. But I think it looks so professional. Yeah. I do too and like I didn't start with one because I was just an Upwork person but I'm so <laughs> glad I have one now because the SEO is starting to pick up and people are starting to find it so I think the sooner you start your website the better because it's going to help you like make that first impression and start actually getting things and the niche is important with the website because if you're a general person like it's so many general freelancers out there you're not really going to be able to make a dent especially when it comes to SEO so if you have a website that is tailored to an actual niche it's going to be help so much more helpful totally and that goes along with the portfolio so do you want to talk a bit about getting started with a portfolio even if you have like no real experience yeah so i think the thing with the portfolio is that so many people think you need like 500,000 samples to really have a portfolio but you don't want that because honestly you want to be able to guide your client or potential client to like your best pieces so your portfolio doesn't need to be huge like you could start one with like a couple of pieces as long as they're really good and if you don't have any experience like working on like a website like start your own blog like even put up putting up pdf samples like it's gonna be better once you start actually getting samples with your name on it like elsewhere um, but if you just got to start like start with a few sample pieces that you write on your own in your niche and make sure it's in your niche and not just like some random sample you wrote although like an essay could potentially work if you're like right out of college or something or high school but I would encourage you to have something in your niche too yeah, I definitely agree. And that's where I niche down. Um, on my professional website, even though I have written for other things in the past, I don't usually direct people to those things that seem a bit more random. Um, like I usually show off my best stuff. So I've written stuff for like lead pages and like some really big websites and like Founder Magazine. And these are the ones that I direct people to. And ideally those should be live links, which means they're like live on a website that isn't your own. But if they're not, that's totally fine. When I first got started, I even wrote stuff specifically for my portfolio with my niche in mind and I think that's totally fine and as long as you're pointing them to like two or three like really great things that's all you need like you don't need to dedicate weeks of your time like creating these things for your portfolio just like a few solid examples is totally fine so the next thing you need is your rate and I regret that I did not have this in mind when I got started I did not have any idea where to price myself and I wish I went higher when I started because I really didn't know and I guess that's just part of being new but I would argue that if you have any kind of experience, you are from quote unquote first world country, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, I just mean the people usually from Canada, the US, the UK, Australia, because they're native speakers can usually command a higher rate. And if you have a um, 
like a higher cost of living in your area, just all of these normal things, you should not be starting out at the lowest rates. Like, I can't imagine a situation where, where that would be acceptable. Um, it's going to depend on the field you're in, but I would recommend doing some research and and add some money. <laughs> Just add some money to that. There's no one size fits all, but the thing you really need to, to pin down here is what's the lowest you're willing to go. And you need to know that when you start your search because people will ask for lower. Oh, they will ask for lower. And you need to be ready and be like, this is my hard no. Like, we're not crossing this line. And having that will just be so much more helpful. Yeah, and I think it's just important to, when you see someone who's like, oh, this is a low rate, like, know that just because they're asking for the low rate doesn't mean that you're worth that low rate. That's just Mm -hmm. them trying to, you know, get the lowest rate possible. But, like, you don't have to um, use that rate. Like, you're like, okay, that's a no, and it's okay. Like, Upwork especially, like, there are so many people who are like, hey, do you want to write, like, one thousand words for a dollar and i'm like (laughs) no also i need it in two minutes and also you need to do all the brainstorming and also it needs to be seo optimized also you need to publish it on um all on founder.com and also on forbes so yeah so that'll be a hard pass and so (laughs) just because someone says that or asks that of you doesn't mean that that's what you're worth and so you really have to be steadfast in the fact that this is my like lowest rate I can go, and if they want lower, I'm gonna have to pass. Yeah, that is so important. And then last but not least, um, I think a professional email address is really important, especially if you're. You gonna mean s- I can't use my my one one five six gmail at aol dot com? No, that would be really <laughs> bad. So if. Okay, so I use G Suite for my email addresses, like all of them for the Happy Art Canton and Amanda Crossco. Um, but you don't have to. Like, e- if you can use a, G- a professional, even Gmail address. So, like, mm-hmm. your name. Just like your, your name. first name dot your last name <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, yes. But I really like having G Suite. It's their version of, like, using your domain as a... Um, email address essentially so you can I could do amanda at amandacost.co instead of amanda at gmail.com which wouldn't be available at all because amanda is such a common name yeah um and it's just you can also do that for free through your web host the more yeah so I like G Suite it's just like six dollars a month so I don't really consider it like a huge like yeah cost but I know it's available through my website host too but I just like um, G Suite because it gives me access to like Google Drive and all that good stuff through my mm-hmm. um, professional through, like my website. So I just really like it, but I know that other people have other options. And I think like your website host might have it, and also like your um, your domain name host. I know Namecheap has a professional email like email addresses too. Yeah, I use Namecheap to get all of mine, and I use a mail forwarder to send them all to like my Gmail account. Um, but then when I respond, usually it is through like, it's my name at gmail.com, which I think is also fine. But yeah, definitely get a professional email address. If you're, st- I have friends who are still using like cutie girl nine, nine at like AOL.com and it, it kills me inside. So don't be that person. Cause like that is cringy and it's just not professional. Yeah. And I think back to like a website, like if you were 
going for this website and they're like really nice in, in your industry and then they sent and then you realize their email address was like a random gmail address you'd be like okay that's a little bit creepy especially if they sent you an email address i'm like if they're not like a gmail if they're using a gmail i'm not going to respond because like you couldn't like spring for your own email address like yeah and it's not easy to verify too like if it's just less trustworthy i guess at the end of the day if it's from like at that website.com you generally know this is this is probably a real person and it's not just someone trying to pretend to be someone else so that's important Yep, so now let's talk about the job sites where you find gigs. So there's a few well-known job sites where most freelancers at least will start out looking, and then I want to move on past those to, like, the more advanced areas to find um, clients. But So there's a few different job sites to find gigs. So what's the first one? So Facebook is a really good option. Um, There are a lot of niche and industry groups that you can join, and I really... I've gotten clients from Facebook, especially like when I first first started. Um, I probably do need to use it more and like find them HR groups and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's just a really great way, and most people already have Facebook anyway. So mm-hmm. even though we probably shouldn't, but we probably do. And so like just like experiment with the groups and join groups and start putting yourself out there. And eventually people will be like, oh, wow, that person's really knowledgeable. So maybe they can do X, Y, Z. So or like just share your like samples, especially um, in any place where you can like share like your links and stuff. And that's going to be a really great way to attract people. Yeah. So once again, you need to know your niche. Um, so like I'm in I'm I'm a marketing writer, so I've joined a lot of marketing groups and occasionally there are job opportunities through there. I'm also in like a virtual assistant group because right now I'm thinking of hiring a virtual assistant and I see a lot of job offers in there. So there's a lot of options on Facebook, not necessarily just like in your massive feed, but in if those more industry specific groups. So that leads into the next one, which is LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is like the professional social media site, though it is weird on there. Like it's gotten very strange. So I don't know about it. I don't understand why people think that things they put on LinkedIn are like appropriate sometimes. (laughs) I know. They're like, the main thing I see is like the middle-aged men who are posting like those very strange like videos or motivational things. And they're just so cringy. It's like, oh, I don't know what's going on on LinkedIn, but it's, it's a bit weird. But the point is, it's a good place to connect with industry groups and also find small businesses, mid-sized businesses, whatever, that you might want to work with. And there's also always job liftings on LinkedIn. I've never been hired off LinkedIn, and I've really not tried very much, but have you ever had experience with that? Um, no, I don't really use LinkedIn in that particular way. Like, I use LinkedIn in a lot of other ways. Like, I use LinkedIn groups. I've never, like, been hired, like I said. I did have one experience where this person tried to, like, make me do like a whole bunch of stuff to like <laughs> to like get their job they like wanted what yeah they like had this job offer and then they were like a local company and they were like hey um to get this job you need to do all of these marketing materials in like a couple of days and i'm like yeah and then i looked up the event and the event was like recently coming up so i'm like do you want me to do all this work <laughs> so you can use it to use yes. to do this event <laughs> like that's yes, gonna be that a hard no for wanted. me and so i didn't do that 
<laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, so definitely be careful on LinkedIn, I guess. I don't know. There is some weird stuff on there. I will say it has changed a lot in the last two years, and it's a weirdly toxic place now. It's like the new Facebook. So I don't know what's going on on there, but there has been, like, I've heard of other freelancers using LinkedIn really successfully, so good to know. Yeah. Um, talk about the next one, because I know it, you have a lot of experience with it. Yeah, so Upwork is where I really got started with writing and, like, being a freelancer, because at first I was like, I didn't know where to start, so I was just like, oh, let's just join Upwork, um, and I... I have had my qualms with Upwork, just like every person on Upwork. Um, but I think at this point, it's really good. Like, I'm really niche down there. And so people just come to me with, like, things all the time. Like, the other day, I got this, like, $200 offer. It's like, hey, can you write these things real quick? And I was like, okay, sure. And so I did it. Um, so, I mean, I think it's just a really cool place, especially if you're really niche down. It's like you're really specific about what you do. And you create, like, a really good uh, web like a really good page around that like at this point like I was very specific HR tech it's really all I do there and so yeah people come to you there's a huge underground upwork economy that a lot of people don't see so yeah a lot of those jobs that you see are kind of underpaying but you'd be surprised like how much people will come to you especially if your website is if you're niche down really specifically and ask you hey can you do this instead of like going through the entire upwork system Yes. Oh, I totally agree. When I first started Upwork, I thought it was a barren wasteland of like one cent per word jobs. And it still is. But I did learn about this underground economy. Basically, Um, I didn't get there until I had been using it for at least six months, like pretty actively. And then I got rated as like top rated or whatever, which honestly means nothing, but okay. And then I started getting a lot of offers and now I have several clients who I've worked with on Upwork for a while and I just reached the $10,000 on Upwork milestone. So I was like, wow, I have come a long way because I used to really not know what was going on on Upwork. So I think it can be a great resource, but definitely need to be careful about those funky really low paying crappy jobs which are a problem but if you're just vigilant about those I think it's a great resource yeah so I mean just getting started though you might want to take some just to get like some of those star oh yeah I did um (laughs) but after that like I would really focus on like the higher paying jobs after you get like the basics like oh your ratings are up and whatnot and then after that like really focus on those higher paying ones do some quick work first and then try to get those reviews Yep, I totally agree. I did a few that were like $25 per post, like one-off things, which were not a big deal at all. And that was really when the tide started to change. Once you got like that good feedback, just really helped a lot. So keep that in mind. And then next, I would say niche boards. Once again, it's coming back to niching down. Um, For bloggers and like freelance writers, pro blogger job board is probably the best. Um, It's very vetted, so you get better quality. posts on there the issue is it's very competitive so definitely don't go in and assume that you're going to get a response back for most of the stuff on there because you probably won't but if you do have the free time to like browse through the new listings there's some really quality stuff on there and it's a great place to start 
Um, also, I'm sure there's niche sites for literally any type of <laughs> industry you're in. I do not know them for other websites, um, but I do know that it's a thing for pro bloggers to do that. So if you're searching for like another industry, I would just search like freelance job boards, the graphic design or something like that, and you'll probably get like a long list of options. So I would recommend that. And then last but not least, give us the last one. So my one of my favorites is AngelList. So AngelList is a place for startups. Basically, they just like are like basically trying to be like, oh, look, I'm the best startup. And no, I'm the best startup. Look at how much money I have. Um, it's basically like a database of startups. So if you're interested at all in working with startups, and I work with a lot of startups as an HR tech writer. Um, and so it's really awesome because they usually list like, how much money they've acquired through like funding which is really awesome for me because i can like um go for like the multi-million dollar startups versus like the ones who have like less money um and also they do have like job opportunities there uh i don't really use it for job opportunities i use it more for cold pitching but it is they do have a lot of like remote opportunities on the angel list website so yeah i've checked out this website after you recommended it and it's really cool. It just confused me a lot, but <laughs> it was really cool. I didn't know you could see how much money they've had, which is a good way to feel like um, like a bit of a creep, but also good because then you know if they're cheap, and that is important to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I really like it. I think it's under, like, this, like, you can look at, like, their seed round, and then it's also, like, just, like, um, like, on some of them, they have money. And also, like, it's really great because there are so many industries on there, like the medical industry, HR tech, like, marketing. Like, there are so many different types of startups, and you can filter it by the type of startup so you're not just looking at all the startups because there's, like, over, like, there's, like, millions of startups on there. So you want to really narrow it down so, like, the HR tech is usually, like, under, like, 10,000 startups, so it's, like, so much easier to dig through that. And so sometimes I filter it by, like, when they start when they joined sometimes i do about how much money they have just depending on like what i really want to go for huh that is insightful so that's a good <laughs> idea as well um so now let's talk about the more unexpected places so i'm gonna let you take over here because i don't know <laughs> so the first <laughs> one you listed was local advertisements so what does that mean are you talking about what i was talking about did I list local advertisements? Yes, you did. Okay, well, what did I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I think what I mean is, like, find local businesses who yeah. um, are, like, in your area. Um, I've never done this because I hate Orlando, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I worked as a, I worked here with a big marketing company, so I'm, like, afraid I'll run into them. Yeah. Um, long story short, I had to lie to them to leave, and I told them that I moved to Gainesville, so now I can't. Oh my goodness. It was a weird place. Um, I yeah. had to get out of there, so I was like, um, I'm moving. Yeah, don't do that, but anyway, so now I'm, like, confused, and I don't want to talk to any local ones, because I don't want to get, like, accidentally cross paths with them, um, yeah. so that's confusing, but um, apparently I thought you could get jobs through local um, job boards, so maybe I made that up. But yeah, I, I mean, you probably can, especially if you have, if you're living in a bigger city. Like, I live in a city that's, like, 15,000 people. No one wants my services. Um, but if no you live in a bigger services. city or something like that, or a city with just, like, a really good, like, 
population of like small businesses definitely do that and definitely join like your like go to like local chamber of commerce meetings especially like depending on like what you're that's what is. i was trying to talk about because yeah. i remember you posted once on your freelancer group to check the local chamber of commerce website and i at the time i was like that is so smart and then <laughs> i guess that's what i'm channeling right now yeah so yeah and it's like good it's just like a list of all the businesses in your area usually that are like a part of the chamber of commerce and like that's really great and they usually have meetings too so if like you're really wanting to work with these smaller businesses you can definitely go to those meetings and network with those people and it's a really great way to meet clients especially if you're like afraid to kind of do like the online thing right away and like just start small and start locally and start networking yeah i see a lot of freelancers who do work locally and i think it's a really smart way to niche yourself if you're like in a really competitive area that's an area where it would make more sense to maybe be a bit more general if you did want to be like i'm a general copywriter or something like that it would make more sense if you could tie yourself to like a geographic area um and there's a lot of trust that comes with like literally living nearby and then a lot of clients prefer to talk in person so i think that could be a really good way to find like those smaller businesses who aren't looking to hire people online but you could still work remotely so i think it's a good compromise i just (laughs) am afraid of the orlando area so that's great but um i think that's a good idea I, i forgot about the chamber of commerce website i need to lurk on that Okay, so the next thing you said was social media, and you shared a good story about how you recently got a client from social media, and that, like, I was shook. I was like, what, who, how, who is this girl? So (laughs) please tell this story, because I've never heard of anything like this. Yeah, so I was browsing LinkedIn the other day, like, I just Oh, no, not LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn, and so... (laughs) Um, but it was weird. So I just browsed LinkedIn and I am like super deep into HR tech at this point. So people probably think I'm like an HR professional, um, even though I'm not at all. And cause I like <laughs> downloaded like random like freebies and things like that from HR people. Cause I, I just like to lurk and be weird. Um, and so I was actually on LinkedIn just browsing and I got served this ad from this, like st- this tech startup in the HR industry and I really liked their website and what they had to say and I was like oh this is interesting so I went to back to LinkedIn and I looked at their um like profile like their business profile on LinkedIn and when you do that you can actually see like the employees that work there and so then I used this plugin this Chrome extension it's called find that email and it scrolls like linkedin profile like linkedin profiles and looks for email addresses and it's like super effing accurate like i'm getting this right now (laughs) um and like it just does it so i use that to find the ceo's email address because it was this really small company i had like two employees on linkedin so i just emailed her directly and cold pitched her well, what did you say? You were like, I was lurking on LinkedIn, you had this, and then I found you through this Chrome plugin. No, I basically just said I was like looking at your LinkedIn, like I was looking at your website on LinkedIn, and I looked at, like I was basically like, I looked at your website, and I really liked it. Let me actually look it up, because I really don't know what I said. But it was <laughs> This is so interesting. It was not a long email though it was like 300 words it was like very simple um i think a lot of people when they like get into cold pitching they're like oh i have to have this like really long email but really like i got that money in like the day but i really didn't like work really hard on this email i said i recently found your website 
blank on LinkedIn and decided to reach out to make an introduction. Having engaged in, well, this is just like my spiel for like having, like, um, for like HR tech. But really, it was just like I found your website on LinkedIn and wanted to make an introduction. It wasn't like, oh, I like looked at all this stuff and then I like did all this thing and then I like, oh, I like use this plugin to like find your email like I don't have to tell them everything but like that is what I did to find so you just said you wanted to introduce yourself you weren't like hire me blah 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 yeah and so at the end I did say feel free to check out my portfolio for a sampling of pieces I've written I'd love to chat more about your content marketing needs so that's how Kai ended the email but I wasn't like oh you know I'm a creep and I just stalked on you for like (laughs) 20 minutes yeah that's so good I think that's such a good idea I see a lot of ads on social media because like you I also lurk in my I don't even try to lurk in my industry it's just like the number of research I have to do on a regular day now that now Google like is convinced that like I care about like these random things Mm -hmm. and so it will show me these ads like constantly on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram whatever and I think it's really smart to just like tune into those like because I'm so used to just tuning them out but a lot of times those are smaller businesses who are clearly focusing on marketing and they might be open to working with a freelancer and I think that is really smart thinking yeah I was definitely not expecting it to happen that way because like sometimes I am like in that point like cold pitching where you get like in that like loop of like oh I'm never going to get out of like talking but she was like really ready to go so that's always great. (laughs) Yeah that's definitely rare even when sometimes clients approach me they're still like they're like they want to talk forever they're just like I need to go over this and this and I'm gonna take two weeks to respond and like that kind of thing. It could be really frustrating. Um, but the next thing on our list was cold pitching, which you sort of just covered. But, like, yeah. let's assume you're going through the normal strategy and not lurking on LinkedIn. Like, <laughs> what would you normally do? Um, actually, LinkedIn's a big part of my strategy, but also AngelList. So, okay. um, AngelList, I would, like, usually go there. I would, like, go through and, like, find, like, a particular company that I was interested in. I'd, like, go check out their website, do all that good stuff. And then I would... Um, Basically, just, like, usually I use LinkedIn because I really like to find that email one. But I have some other ones that I use. I don't remember them off the top of my head. I'll have to send them to you, like, to find email addresses. Um, yeah. But I really That's look, the hardest part. So that's yeah. such a good idea. But find that email is my favorite because often LinkedIn or just, like, LinkedIn in general is just a really great way to do that. So I would usually go through LinkedIn, go through that email finder, and, like, see their you can always find out their list of employees usually on LinkedIn. So that's why I really like that because not all the time do they list them on their website. So LinkedIn is a big part of my yeah. strategy usually. Um, just usually I didn't find them through an ad on LinkedIn. I usually find them like with angel lists going through, um, seeing the different stuff. Um, but yeah, cold pitching is definitely a big way that I do that. And just after that, making an introduction. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be overwhelming you don't have to put like all the effort into it I think people are just like oh like I have to really make an impression but you're not really trying to like get them to hire you from like one email you're just really trying to open it up see if they would be interested and you're gonna get a lot of no's like you're gonna get a lot of no's you're gonna get a lot of non-responsive people like people who just don't want to answer at all um and so another tool I use for cold pitching 
is called MailTrack. I know there are different tools that do the same thing, but I really like MailTrack um, as a way to like track when people open my emails or when people click my emails and things like that. So it's a really great option if you are like wanting to know like if you should follow up or something. So sometimes people just don't open and I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to follow up there. But if someone's opened and like clicked around my email and like clicked and checked things out, I'll usually follow up in a few days. Yeah, that's smart. That's really organized. Um, <laughs> so organized, which is good. Um, I like clack- clacking. Tracking the open sounds like a really smart way to keep track of that. And now that makes me think if that's why I get so many follow-up emails from, like, the spammy people who send me, like, does your website need SEO, like, that kind of thing. And I'm wondering if they know they know that I opened it so that I could creep and then delete it, and that's why they harass me. So that's interesting. So what do you look for when you're seeking out clients? Because obviously if you're on like AngelList or LinkedIn, you're going to find a lot of potential clients. But how do you know which ones are worth even like communicating with? How do you know if it's most likely they're open to working with freelancers? So how would you even start that process? So for me, it's really changed a lot because in the past it'd be like, oh, if they have like a whole like, they seem like they post like every single day or like every other day and they're like really on top of their blogging game, I wouldn't have approached them. But I don't really follow that rule now because you actually really never know what someone's thinking on the other side of the line. So you just kind of have to be like, if you love this company and you really would like to work with them or you think that they have a really awesome like product and you really are excited to work with them I think that's more of the thing you need to look for versus what they have going on because either way you're going to get some no's or some non-responders so I think you really have to just worry like is this something I would actually want to work for is this something I would want to create graphics for is this a company I'd like to you know write for so obviously though you want to make sure that they use some kind of writing or they see or they would be a good candidate to start a blog or they use graphics or need more or you think that they would be a good candidate to get graphics like things like that is really important but like I think you really have to be like just ready to to get some no's and stuff when it comes to finding clients because you never know like for instance I started working in this company called Greenhouse and they are like a multi-million dollar company in the HR tech world they're really popular like they have like all kinds of stuff going on they always update their website like consistently like multiple times a week so it would think oh they probably wouldn't need me as a writer but they were looking for at to add other writers on their website so like giving people actual like name recognition and like adding to their writer roster and I wouldn't have done that otherwise and that's a company that pays like $200 per post so it's not something like oh like I probably wouldn't have pitched that person like a few years ago but now I'm like yeah I'm gonna pitch them because I'm excited to work for them and I would like to have my content on their website yeah and I think that's so true and it's only gonna become more normal going ahead into the future because now so many companies are hiring freelancers companies who may not have even considered a freelancer last year are now suddenly thinking that it's the next best option and I think that's becoming the new wave so becoming a freelancer right now is sort of ideal and I like that you said that you no longer limit yourselves to people who maybe look like they are struggling um, I know as a writer like it's t- it makes sense to target like blogs or small businesses who don't seem to really have a good grasp on like content marketing but I like how you argued for the opposite side of that as well which is really 
Smart thinking. And I know a lot of websites hire several bloggers or writers, so it's a pretty good way to make sure that you introduce yourself. And maybe even if they don't need it right now, they might down the line. So that's always good. Yeah, and, like, especially, like, with, like, you know, the reason I love cold pitching so much is because I'm able to work with companies who I would have never, like, conventionally fell on their radar. Like, I probably... It, with Greenhouse, I probably would have never fallen on the radar if I had. It would have been, like, years down the road because they are, like, that big of a company. So it was really awesome to be able to make that connection with their content marketing manager and actually be able to um, write for them at this stage of my career versus, like, years from now when I'm, like, more established. Yeah, and I definitely would encourage anyone to go for it, even if you don't feel like you have, quote-unquote, enough experience because... I don't know, the world's changing, and I don't think experience and, like, education can, like, hold that same weight as they might have in the past. So definitely go for it if you think you're up for the task. Yes, for sure. And what would you tell a newbie freelancer who is afraid to cold pitch or start, like, proactively searching for clients on their own? So I would say that, you know, just be ready for the no's. Be ready for it because, like you're going to get, like, some rejection, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're a bad freelancer. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Like, I get no's. I get, like, maybe in the future is all the time, and, like, I've been freelancing for a couple years now. Like, it's never going to stop. You're never going to stop getting that. So I would say just go out on a limb and see, like, and perfect and, like, change your um, strategies. And, like, you can always, like, pivot and change and, and morph and grow. So, I mean, just go for it you never know what's gonna happen you never know what they need and so like I remember um another person that cold pitched um I was like oh you know like they they did actually seem like they needed help because they hadn't posted and like they were being consistent and they stopped for like a year so I was like yeah I, I want to write for you so I I like contacted them and they were like it's almost like serendipitous in a way because we were just about to start our blog up. So you never know what you're going to fall into. So just, like, go for it. I think it's the biggest thing because, like, it's going to really change the the trajectory if you put it in your own hands versus, like, waiting for people to, you know, put up a thing. Because who knows, like, that company who was like, oh, I, I, it's serendipitous almost. Like, they wouldn't have found me. And who knows when they were actually going to start to think about their blog. It was on their plate, but it wasn't, like, right there. It wasn't, like, something we were going to do, like, tomorrow. Like, it was something that was going to happen eventually, but I helped it make it where it was happening sooner, I guess. Yeah, that's so true. And it's true on, like, a local and a, and a wider scale, and I think that's where freelancers can really excel so i'm glad we did this podcast where we talk like beyond the normal job sites because i feel like beginning freelancers especially can feel really trapped with those i know that i did because i felt like that was the only way forward or that like i was too new and i couldn't like cold pitch or i wasn't ready to like look for advertisements or do anything like that it was just it had to be this one way and it's good to know that that is definitely not true and if anything those job sites can be really limiting so don't be afraid if you're like looking for new clients to just step outside that box go lurk on LinkedIn you don't know what you'll find yeah for sure (laughs) and I do want to touch on this other thing about who to contact and how to find their info yeah I think we did talk about like find the email like that's one of my favorites um but as far as like who to contact it depends on the company so I would say for the who to contact um if it's like a bigger company they probably have like 
depending. So like a content marketing manager, someone who's involved in marketing, if you're writing or something like that, that's a good contact. Um, if you're like, a like there's just so many different like types of freelancing, but like with graphic design, for instance, they're probably someone who is in charge of like graphic design for like blog posts or graphic design for like something else. So I'd probably still stick with marketing for graphic design too. Um, and if it's just a smaller company, the CEO will usually do so like go straight to the top. But if they have like, like just go on their LinkedIn and kind of see if they have like a structure you can find or and like use like the VP of communications or something or like a communication specialist, especially at that point to like go down a bit. So just kind of see if you can find their structure. And then after that, you'll find the best person to contact. Yeah, that's definitely important because if you if it's a bigger company and you just straight up send an email to the CEO, it probably won't be read. And if it is, it probably won't be taken that seriously because CEOs are really busy in most cases and they probably just like don't have the time for this. Um, So always look for those smaller structures. But you definitely do want to send it to someone who has some kind of power and authority. Like, don't just send it to a content writer or just, like, whoever is posting on social media because they probably don't have much control over the situation. So a little bit of research will go a long way. Plus, it shows that you did some research, which is always good. But, yeah, and also, if you can't find anything, which I hope that after this you are able to find something, an info box is okay, not ideal. You want to send it to an actual person. But I've gotten stuff through info inboxes, especially with smaller companies. So if it's a big company, your info inbox email ain't going to get read. Just being (laughs) honest. But if it's, like, a smaller company, usually they share the info inbox and then they forward things as appropriate. So um, if you have to especially at a smaller company an info inbox is usually okay and if you are a local company i would also encourage you to this sounds crazy coming from someone who hates talking on the phone but you you could call the company i used to work for a really small marketing agency and we would get a lot of phone calls and sometimes we actually didn't hang up on them so i used to answer them so i would have (laughs) helped you but, uh, but uh, if it's a, like a smaller local company, it could be worth like going in and introducing yourself if it's that kind of place or going to those networking events like we said earlier, like that kind of in-person cold pitching, so, so to speak, could also be really effective, whereas an email might get overlooked if it's the type of company where it's more hands-on work. So there's a lot of options. The point is don't be afraid to reach out. Yes, for sure. So where can people find you? Um, you can go to thehappyarkansan.com, and all of my information is there. Perfect. Great. Well, thanks for being on the podcast yet again. You are our most repeat visitor, (laughs) and and it's always good because I feel like you have a lot of freelancing experience, and we all need that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Offbeat Grad. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Amanda, and I hope you take these tips seriously, and I will be including all of the resources we talked about in today's show notes, and you can also find them more information on how to freelance on my blog, samanthability.com. So I will talk to you next week. Have a productive week. Bye.